Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Leaving a Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee. Uh, unfortunately, Pat is uh, being dragged through the mud on the Pop Warner fields. The kids rebelled. Uh, they overthrew the coach and they, you know, they tied him to one of those uh, pushing dummy things that football players use. He's he's actually kind of like standing in like a scarecrow now, just being used as sports equipment. So, no Pat this week. It's okay. Um, after the after we record, I'm gonna go let him let him go, and we'll uh, we'll have him back next week. But that's okay because I have an awesome guest on the cast tonight. I have Mr. Robert Wilson is joining us. How are you doing, man? Hey, Pat. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey Pat, hope you're uh, having fun in there. It's a type of that goalpost on me or whatever. Good, good recovery. Good recovery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey Jerry, man, how you doing? Excellent. Thanks for uh, for coming on the cast, man. It's uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, and of course, we wanted to have you on to talk about the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy Tournament. I feel like there should be like fireworks and marching bands going off every time you say that. Justin, name. put that in. Yeah. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Where, where's the, the rap horn when we need it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, you guys just had an awesome event. Uh, about just about 50 people turned out, which I think up till now is the largest paper event um that we've seen yet so this is a great kind of first look at the meta that's how it's shaping up uh we got some other paper events coming up soon so if you're coming to either the yellow yellow open or some of the other um events that are kicking off in the next couple of weeks you definitely want to take a look at these lists because definitely some spice in here but i'm getting ahead of myself uh Robert, why don't you just kind of let, let everyone know, uh, you know, who you are and kind of what your history with legacy is. Yeah, sure. So I'm Robert Wilson. Uh, my wife and son and I live in Columbus, Ohio. I'm a corporate and tax lawyer, and I started Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy here in Columbus. I started playing Magic, and I think Ice Age was the first set that I remember coming out. Mm-hmm. So I played for, for a long time, and then, you know through middle school and part of high school played, you know, all through the, you know, the Urza saga, the stronghold, the tempest blocks and mask. And then I think right before onslaught came out, I just kind of, kind of got out of it, went to college and, you know, took a break as some people do. And then after my wife and I got married, I kind of just jumped back in, played a little standard. It wasn't for me. Modern was fine. But I wanted to play some of the cards I remember from, you know, as a kid, I wanted to play duels. I wanted to play Force of Will and, you know, found Legacy and just been jamming ever since. So Awesome. That's sick. And yeah, so the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy event, it's been going for a while. Uh, this was the, the fifth one, correct? Right. right. I think the first one was in 2019. Yep. And we started before that. I mean, there were a couple things before we even like got the trophy and kind of got official. I mean, it kind of started because our local legacy weeklies were on Thursdays and, you know, just kind of as legacy is most of us were older and, you know, had kids or responsibilities or whatever. And Thursday night just kind of, for whatever reason, stopped working for people. And we were kind of starting to trail off and, you know, we started looking to do it Friday, but shops were busy because, arena hadn't killed standard and draft yet so (laughs) so you know modern was was firing and then people just didn't have a place for us so i I told people was like look come to my house we'll just have fnm at my house and be like "Eh, whatever i was like we'll order pizza and i'll make buffalo chicken dip you're like oh so that's where the name came from. yeah i I always i was always wondering that's awesome (laughs) 
Yeah, and my buffalo chicken dip is is as good as advertised. It so, it brings all the boys to the card table, as they say. It does. <laughs> it, it's it really because like magic events. Sometimes the biggest problem is I need to eat and I'm starving, but I have like five minutes or whatever, and this just kind of solves that problem. That's the number one lesson I learned from college. You know, that's what my $200,000 worth of tuition went to is teaching me the lesson that nothing gets people to come to an event like free food. Yeah. I mean, and I put all of the money, like I don't make money off of these events. I've, I've lost money and spent money out of pocket for them to like get started, but I put everything back in, you know, for the food, for the judges, for the prizes and, you know, it's really all about building a community and that's like people have got that. And that's, I think why it's been so successful is, you know, there's just this great vibe around it and this great community of, of players who aren't assholes. And, you know, it's serious enough that people are playing for real and there's good prizes and, you know, we just kind of getting, getting more and more people from farther and farther away. Yeah, and I got to applaud you for that because, you know, with the Leaving Legacy Open, Pat and I, we basically just kind of promote it and, uh, you know, do the casting for it. Um, you know, gaming, et cetera, the store, they're the ones who actually run the tournament and put a ton, ton of work in. And I see the stuff they do to put on a successful event and gaming, et cetera. We would not be able to have these opens without them and have them bearing, you know, the organization, handling the money, setting a prize pool, hiring judges. Pat and I, we, we basically just show up, set up some cameras and start talking. <laughs> so I, I definitely applaud you because I've seen the amount of work it goes into running an event and Man, it is a lot. I don't think players realize just how much it actually takes to run a successful event. Yeah, I mean, the, the hardest part sometimes is selling the spots and then getting people to pay me up front so I can take the money and buy prizes, buy food, you know, have cash for the judge or whatever. So, you know, at this point, I kind of know how many people will show up mm -hmm. and I just kind of, you know, do a budget, you know, talk to some local vendors, like, Hey, here are some cards players want some legacy staples. And, you know, I can kind of budget out the money that way. And then once people click, you know, start paying me, which some people you kind of have to shake down, <laughs> I can, I can buy cards. But I tell you, like, I'm going to sell your spot. If someone wants it, if you don't pay me, like I, you know, I got to get money and I got to buy these cards. And most people understand that it really hasn't been a problem. So I appreciate everyone uh, paying promptly. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, because I can tell you the common thread among Magic players is waiting to the very last minute, waiting to last minute to register, waiting last minute to pay. It uh, it definitely is not a, a punctuality thing uh, that runs among Magic players. Yeah, I, I found that having people pay up front, they kind of have an invested interest. Yeah. And they're going to show up. And like, I've had a wait list every time and I've had people get off the wait list. So there's no shortage of demand. So I, I guess in some way, the, the scarcity has really helped me sell the spots. Yep. So that's that's kind of been nice as well. Yeah. And it's tough because, I mean, you put up, you know, however much your prize pool is and you like us, you know, that's why we say it's a 5k for the open because we don't want to, you know, promise a 10k and then have like 20 people show up. You know, it's, it's a big investment from stores and, you know, having to announce the prize pool a month in advance when people don't sign up until the day before the event, you know, that's a, that's a month of sweating that the, uh, the stores go through. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stress enough how important it is for people to sign up early and pay early because I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without it. I mean, the last, the tournament we just ran on Saturday, first prize was an LED, second was a Tundra, third and fourth were a City of Traders, and fifth and eighth got a place out of Tempest Wastelands. So it was like 1700 bucks. Yeah, like right, right there, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to front that. No, uh, 
Also, I, I find it hilarious that uh, LEDs are the top spot over dual lands. Like for the longest time, that that never would have been the case, but that's the world we live in. LED king of the pile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've done so many of them that people wanted something other than duels. Yeah, like one tournament I ran, it was an underground sea to first a trop, a bayou, and then a savanna, and then force a wells to fifth through eighth place. And I mean, with the reserve list kind of spiking during the pandemic, that's, that's a little tougher yep. now, but people, people were sick of winning duels. Oh <laughs> man. First world, first world have. problems. Right? We, got, we got too many duels. <laughs> like, Oh, can we get something else? I already have too many duels. Like that's, that's what I was running into. So it's, it was good that our community is really building cards to lend to people. And I also do, and this is probably the important part, completely proxy friendly, as long as they're printed out. Yeah. The legible. Then, you know, we welcome proxies because it really just gets rid of the, the barrier to entry for the format. And I think once people get into it, they see how great it is and they just want to keep going. And that's, that's what's happened. It's really grown our local legacy scene. Our, weeklies have increased in attendance and you know people are traveling often for for the bcdl events and just asking me like hey when's the next one when's the next one <laughs> like uh, i don't know i don't i don't think we'll do one in september because of the uh you know a good chunk of us are going to the legacy pit open yep but yeah i think uh i think october we'll, we'll probably we'll probably be back with another one nice and uh we didn't even mention where it's located let let, let our listeners know and they you might be in their backyard and they don't even know it yeah so uh we're in columbus ohio uh, we kind of have rotated stores in the past we usually partner with comic town it's a great sponsor and then uh, a new shop opened up in town the warp gate and steven and his staff reached out to me it's like hey you know we've heard about what you're doing we'd love to have you and you know, they were fantastic partners. I mean, I can't say enough about, you know, both stores and, and everything they've done to, to help us grow. And, you know, we appreciate it. They're, they're great shops. So if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, check us out, check them out. Uh, I think you'll be, you'll be happy. Definitely. And that kind of goes back to something we were talking about in the pre-show is, um, you know, if someone wanted to replicate this model, it's definitely something that, you know, anyone can do um it just you know it takes a lot of work and partnering with stores is huge because you know stores are always looking for extra hand and players who love the game to help out and kind of put these events together um and you know i I think it goes a long way if you kind of just if you are looking for more legacy in your area and you maybe want to start something up like this start talking to your local lgs and uh you know you might be pleasantly surprised with the responses that you get yeah i mean we were doing this out of my house and it just kept growing and and growing. And I think it's something people could easily do. I mean, there's no special secret sauce to what I did. I mean, I just happened to steal the name from the dip. Maybe there is the Buffalo dip is the secret sauce. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, don't rip me off because I will come for you. Yeah. But, (laughs) But this is, you know, find, find whatever is the personality of, of your group and you know it's all about the gathering and i think we've kind of all noticed that with the pandemic is how important that aspect is to the game and just getting with your friends and jamming games and having fun and you know that's that's really what it's all about i mean i just take the money up front see how much i can spend on prizes what the market is and do it and hold a little back for some food i mean it's you know, it's not rocket science here. I mean, you know, now that we're at the point where we have uh, a local L2 that judges our events and I pay him because pay your judges and pay them yep. in cash. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> pay them. Definitely. So, yeah. And, you know, people will take care of the rest. I mean, if you put a good product out there and you really care and, you know, people will come. And that's how we first heard about you guys, because you don't really advertise it at all, but we heard it just through word of mouth through the community. Yeah, we're we're the most uh, <laughs> the most known unknown. 
Yeah, I think I think when you first had it, like we reached out to you, it was like, hey, do you want us to like promote it? You're like, uh, not really. We're still kind of like we're like running out of space, so like we're we're just good. I'm like, oh, okay, well that's cool too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I didn't know what I was doing when I started this. Yeah, a couple years ago, so I was trying to you know crawl before I walked. Yeah, and now like after five of these, I figured it out, and this past one we set up coverage to to record it and i'm going to go back and do commentary with some of the players and then we're going to put out a video on demand so people can you know kind of check us out and see some good legacy action to to get ready for the legacy pit open and next lal because it will will all still be relevant then and then hopefully in the future we'll we'll have live coverage so we're just taking an incremental approach and you know it's it's really worked out and helped us deliver like a good consistent product instead of trying to do too much to you once and just fall in our face. Cause that's what I was worried about that, you know, it would suck and people like, Rob, you're an asshole. Like just stop. <laughs> just, just quit. Oh man. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. The Buffalo chicken dip legacy event, some of the uh, best talked about uh, events that I hear from people. So you definitely kind of figured it out and, and did it right. I I appreciate that. And, you know, I certainly appreciate everyone that has, has really helped me along the way, but you know, we can, we can scoop them in later. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Well, that's, that's good. Kind of giving people the, uh, the background on the history event. Let's talk about the modern day. What just happened event. Let's take a look at some deck lists because you got a spicy top eight and an even spicier top 16. Um, coming in first place, we have Josh Shields with blue. Nope, not blue, red, blue, white, red monkey still. So not quite uh blue, red Delver guys. Uh, I know that's what everyone thinks is going to win every single event from now until the end of time. People are already calling for banning the monkey, even though I still don't think it's that good. And uh, we do have a little bit more spice, a little bit more interaction uh, with this uh, kind of uh, Patriot standstill list that looks really cool. Let's let's kind of talk about it. You were there firsthand, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, so that, I mean, this is kind of a, a take on the the recent monkey uh, Ragavan saga list, and it's it's kind of evolved. Uh, I think Max Gilmore uh, has put out some some more tuned lists, but this is kind of in that vein of the first iteration that has the three stifle and two standstill. So if, if you haven't seen the deck, the plan is lock them out with standstill, or you know, really punish them for playing into it. And then rely on her as a saga to just bring the beats and and force them to to give you that card advantage. And then the stifles and the one drops, the ragavans help provide early pressure. And then you have a couple murktide regions to to really clean up. But Josh took a an approach that was was pretty cool that I hadn't seen, and he's got some tech that I think is worth mentioning. The Crucible of Worlds yeah, won him several games. Uh, and that was like in the past, you had seen the true name in that slot, but you'd see him just loop Urza sagas or wastelands. Yeah. And it's just, eventually it's just going to get you. And then the grim lava mancers, especially against uh, the creature decks, just machine gunning everything down. Yeah. So it was, it was some great tech on, on Josh's part especially um it makes such good sense in a standstill list too because a lot of times standstill matches come down to just land go where both players are just staring at each other just dropping lands uh neither one wants to break the standstill and having that crucible really make sure that you make that land drop every single turn you know you're never missing the land drop and um you know potentially allowing your opponent to snowball because Typically, when I see standstill players lose after resolving a standstill, it's because their opponent can just out-muscle them from the top of their deck. Either they get more action or they're able to make their land drops more often, causing the standstill player to go to discard. Um, And then they're just able to get some advantage that even though they're drawing three with standstill, they were able to eke in enough value fighting under the standstill that it doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, and you know, you've got the retrofitter foundries 
to, yep. to put pressure on them. And I mean, it, there's just kind of an eventuality, you know, between the sagas, the foundry and the crucible that really forces people's hand. And, you know, prismatic ending has been a great card for extra removal in the format. So you have three of those and four plows to, to really clean up anything early and kind of put you in a position to set yourself up for the, the mid to late game. Yeah. I mean, prismatic ending, I think is pretty safe to say is kind of achieved uh, format staple status. Um, you know, we thought it was going to be pretty good when spoilers, you know, we thought it might be like a one of, or maybe people run into the sideboard and, but nope, it is good enough. We're seeing, you know, people run three, four copies in their lists and, you know, not even batting an eyelash. So prismatic ending, definitely one of the strongest additions to white in, you know, a couple of years, I want to say, because white hasn't had that many, you know, good cards printed for legacy. Uh, may, maybe, maybe before, but uh, COVID kind of just blurred it all together. So maybe that was within the last year. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say black is now the worst color in legacy. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Dothy Voidwalker might have something to say about that. I'm, I don't know if we're going to see any in this top eight, but I've been seeing Dothy Voidwalker put in some lit, some work. So carrying black on its back. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at this second place list. Cause we got Roger Sykes running mono red painter and a spicy list at that. Uh, we got four Goblin Welder, two Imperial Recruiter, a Sundering Titan. I just got to say Goblin Welder Sundering Titan is one of my favorite things to do in cube. Even better if you can pull it off in competitive legacy. <laughs> um, we got three Goblin Engineer, three Magmatic Channeler, one Magus of the Moon, four Ragavan, four Painter Servant. Uh, and then pretty kind of standard for the rest for a painter grindstone list. Uh, you have the one lion's eye diamond, three grindstone, four pyre blasts, one red elemental blast, one soul guide lantern, four lightning bolts, one pithing needle. And then of course, Urza saga lands. See Urza saga carrying the weight. I have a, I have a strong hunch Urza saga is going to be the MVP card placed in the uh, the Leaving and Legacy trophy. I'm, I'd be okay with that over the Ragavan, uh, but I just feel Urza Saga just can go in so many different decks. You know, we see it in the blue, white, red monkey still, and then we go to basically a completely different deck, yet still uh, being propped up on the pillar of Urza Saga. Yeah, the I did want, so Roger also plays online as Roger Steady. I know he's he's top eight some challenges and and put up pretty good numbers. I mean this is this is his baby. This is what he always plays. And watching him sundering Titans some people, you just you just couldn't help but laugh. Like especially when they didn't see it coming. Yeah. And then the Urza Saga is just you always have to be cognizant of being comboed out right on the spot, and and really kind of gives you this this tension that. You, you really can just die out of anywhere. Exactly. Uh, and then for our listeners who don't know, uh, Magmatic Channeler is a fairly nude card. Uh, it's one in a red for a one, three, as long as there are four more incident or sorcery cards in your graveyard, it's a, uh, gets plus three plus one. So it becomes a four, four. And then it has tap discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library. Then choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. Um, so that definitely also helps uh, a lot with the Goblin Welder with uh, pitching some uh, some artifacts into your graveyard. Um, we talked about it a bit when it was spoiled. We were thinking about you know maybe this will see play as a uh, de- um, you know a Delver variant in the in the blue red baseless, and then I think like right after it they they printed Dragon uh, Dragon Rage Channel and was like nope. <laughs> Yeah, We're going to go with this instead. <laughs> it never got a chance between Dreadhorde Arcanist and then Ragavan and Drag, uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler. So it's cool to see it pop up here. Definitely. Uh, you know, popping up and, uh, you know, seeing some love in this mono red list. Uh, so what was the finals like? Were you able to watch the finals between these two decks? Yeah, uh, it was close because you kind of have this dance around Urza Saga going to get Grindstone. So really holding back to deal with the painter and then try to have enough pressure because you look at the list and there's only six creatures and you're kind of really relying on the constructs to, to get in there. So it was, it was pretty tough, but you've got stifle. Like if they, 
you know, don't have mana for the second activation on, on the grindstone, you can get them. And the, the pithy needle main deck just causes a lot of problems. Like they have to remove it or, or go with the beatdown plan. And, you know, a couple of times I, I did see that uh, in Rogers matches where the channelers were four fours and could just get in there or he just goes and gets Sundering Titan and then you have no lands to fight it. And then you just get bashed in the face and it's just kind of inevitable then, but uh, just between all the counter magic and, and the tempo, I mean, Josh had a, had a good game plan and was, was able to execute. Yeah. Can definitely see definitely would have been an interesting match. I uh, can't wait for the video to come out on that one. Uh, that, that definitely looks like it, uh, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, my plan is to have Josh do commentary with me on that and kind of get his perspective and, you know, what he was thinking, uh, you know, during that. Sick. Can't wait. Uh, let's take a look at the third place list. Uh, Zach Allen coming in third place with Bant Snowblade, uh, Stoneblade. I guess it's also Snowblade. We can call it Snowblade. It's around the snow basics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's a, a nice list here. You were act- we were talking about it in the pre-show a little bit. You like some additions that he made to the deck. Um, but we got four Stoneforge, two Endurance, three Uro, four Brainstorm, four Ponder, full four Prismatic Endings, and four Swords to Plowshares. This man... Hates his creatures. He wants to gobble those creatures up and send them back. And uh, two life from the loam, one jitte, one force of negation. Which I find that uh, uh, interesting that there's only one of them. But I guess it is a pretty tight list. Uh, two Teferi, two Jace the Mind Sculptor, four Force of Will, one Caldra complete. No Batter Skull. Caldra complete taking the batter skull uh, spot. What is this? Uh, and then yeah. going in a pretty standard uh, list for the mana base, except uh, one interesting note is the singleton wasteland that he is running uh, spicy. One of wasteland. Yeah. So the, the wasteland looks odd. And then you, you remember there's two life from the loam in the list. Yes. exactly. And you can, you can loop you know, it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, what Zach was able to do a few times, like in these long games, because the problem that you run into with the band control is, is how do I kill someone? And Stoneforge Mystic with, with Culture Complete can actually kill people now. So yeah. it's just kind of this indestructible exiling death machine that, you know, it's, it's a fast <laughs> clock. And it, it, that's, it's- that's the problem he was trying to solve was how do I actually kill people without <laughs> going to time? It's scary. I've been finding myself multiple times where I'm playing against these Stoneforge decks and what used to be like an easy win is not anymore because like I'll maybe show and tell in an Emrakul or a Grizzlebrand and they'll put in a Cauldre Complete or they'll already have a Cauldre Complete off a of Stoneforge Mystic from earlier. And in the past, if that was a Batter Skull, I was just like, okay, block your Batter Skull. That's fine. On my turn, I swing in and kill you. Now I don't have that option because if I block that Calder complete, my Emrakul or my Grizzlebrand goes bye bye, and then I eventually lose the game. And if my life total is low enough already, which it oftentimes is in these kind of uh, mid range, but you know still has a threat with the with the Uros and the endurances, um, I, I end up losing the game because of it. You know, blocking isn't an option anymore. And even if you do chump block because it has first strike. <laughs> You don't even get rid of the culture complete. You're just buying yourself a turn. <laughs> yeah. And Zach also put two court of grace in the sideboard for the, the kind of lands and other control mirrors. And it, it just seemed kind of like, uh, and then you see people just get hosed by this card, you know, you can't take the monarch because Uro and endurance are just standing there. And then you have to deal with, uh, a bunch of angel tokens bash in your face. And so it, you know, this deck has, has real ways to kill you. And I, I think those are some great tech by, by Zach. And I think he was working with uh, Brian Koval on this. So, you know, props to them. Looks like a ton of fun. This kind of deck is right up my alley. Um, 
I used to be an Esper boy back in the day. I loved me some Esper Stoneblade mid-range Grindfest. And even though this is subbing out the black for some green, it's definitely very reminiscent of the style deck, which I love. Um, it's just this is this to me is kind of like magic as Richard Garfield intended it, just kind of like mid-range decks throwing haymakers at each other, just slugging it out, you know, all the action happening on turn like three, four, and five. Uh, that's that's some good old fashioned magic to me. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at our fourth uh, place list here. We got uh, Emin Ebedi. I mean, I mean, a body. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I am <laughs> <I'm> terrible. <laughs> uh, but running Yorian Death and Taxes. Best part about Yorian is it lets you just cram a whole bunch of good stuff into your deck. <laughs> uh, we got. Um, the four stone forge, Caldra complete again, swords of fire and ice, Umazawa's Jate, and Batter Batterskull. Whole uh four equipment to go with the four stone forge mystic. We don't see that that often, uh, especially not in uh Yorian uh decks, but running the four four full uh full four equipment in this list. Uh, we also got four Skyclave Apparition, four Flicker Wisp. Four Spirit of the Labyrinth, four Mother of Runes, four Recruiter of the Guard, four Thalia, one Charming Prince, one Sanctum Prelate, one Mangara. Man, I haven't seen Mangara in a list in years. This is awesome. Um, and then, of course, four Aether Vial, four Solitude, and four Swords to Plowshares. Let's talk about this. This is sick. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people look at, they have this misconception of Yorion decks and think, well, they've just added so many cards, they've really diluted their game plan. But there's a lot of redundancy in these cards. In between Solitude and Sword Supplashes, you've kind of got coverage for, for removal, then you have room for the Apparitions. Uh, every Stoneforge Mystic is uh, a potential game winner with all of the equipment. And it's really the same deck. It just has kind of more of what's good about it. And the Yorion just getting back, you know, hitting two or three of those ETB creatures is really just enough to, to kind of generate the value to close the game out. And I think you know, there's a reason, you know, people like John Ryan have been successful with the stack and, you know, other people were picking it up and having success as well. Yeah, for sure. It kind of reminds me of the meme deck back in the day, Battle of Wits. I don't know if you ever uh, played some uh, some Battle of Wits. The the card basically said it's like when you play it, if you have 250 cards in your deck, you uh, you win the game. Um, Or no, is that is it Battle of Wits? What am I? Is it? Yeah, it is Battle of Wits. Okay, I wanted to make sure I was getting the name right. So yeah, you have 250 cards, you win the game, and so people come up with these decks and. Some people just like jam a whole bunch of cards in a list and call it a day. And they're like, oh, I'm just playing with a pile. But there were actually a few people out there who were making, you know, quote unquote, tuned Battle of Wits decks. decks, And it is exactly like you talked about. It's all about redundancy. You know, you need to find cards that do similar things and double up on them so that even though you're playing with an unusually sized deck, your deck is still functioning in the same way as a 60 card deck would. You know, you're just maybe not playing the exact same name. And that, that's kind of what I take from uh, these Yorian lists. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they are. Um, so any kind of cool stuff you saw from uh, from this list in the top eight? Any uh, any kind of interesting interactions or anything? You might not have been able to see all the, all the matches because you yourself um, were playing. This, this was one of the decks I lost to in the Swiss. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Man- Mangara. Yeah, I, it, was, it was a nail-biter. So, you know, he, he played well, and uh, he, he just kind of had it in the end. Um, yeah, the Mangara and Caracas is, you know, a good blocker, and I eventually had to kill the Mangara to stop the loop, and then he was doing it with Yorion, but doing that it just cost him his old turn so it you know but he he still got there and he played well and you know was able to to take a a first round match win as well so yeah you know props to uh to him yeah and i'm going to take a minute to kind of explain the mangara combo loop because it's been a while so i think a lot of our listeners probably don't even know how it works but mangara is a legendary creature for one white white and it basically says tap and is it sack or exile i believe it's 
Yeah, it's exile. It's tap, uh, exile, Mangarava corridor, and target permanent. So basically, it it exiles itself and it exiles any permanent of your choice. However, because it's a legendary creature, you can actually put its ability on the stack, bounce Mangara to your hand, and then the ability resolves only exiling the target of your choice. And then, of course, if you have Aether Vial on three, you can just put Mangara back into play and do it all over again next turn. Um, it's a pretty backbreaking loop if the uh, Death and Taxes player is able to establish it. It used to be a staple in just about every Death and Taxes list um, a couple years ago. It's just because you can only do it once per turn and it's a three mana creature that's a one one. It kind of fell out of favor and just hasn't really seen a lot of play recently. But it's really nice to see it uh, kind of coming back in uh, these Yorian lists. That's that's pretty awesome. I always always was a huge fan of that combo loop. Yeah, I mean it's basically Skyclave Apparition number five, and you know, like we talked about, it's all about redundancy with this deck, right? Yeah, I guess that is probably another uh, you know nail in the coffin for Mangari. Now you just have Skyclave, just does it <laughs> without having to tap. Just e- ETB ETB Mangara. Um, Mangara is nice though that it's it's any permanent you know any mana cost and can also hit lands that's that's nice uh let's take a look fifth place here it is guys you knew it was going to happen blue red delver uh by Corey lanas in uh fifth in uh fifth place and it looks pretty standard and yeah this it- is the the stock list we've, we've kind of been seeing with Really, the only uh, spice in this list is the two steam vents, and that's really just to help you maximize the day's interaction, being able to play a threat on turn one and, and hold up days. So, you know, without the fear of, uh, I drew an island and I have this ragavan, like, this sucks. Like, steam vents kind of, kind of mitigates that. That is actually really uh, useful to uh, point out because usually when you see a steam vents, you think, oh, you know, this person's new to legacy. They're getting in, um, you know, they maybe they don't have their volcanic islands yet. But like you mentioned at the top of the episode, this was a full proxy event. You know, they could have their full four four volcanic islands. And Corey does. Corey's running four volcanic islands and also two steam vents. So definitely not a budget choice by any means. No, and it, it's a plan that works and the you know maybe what uh what else is worth pointing out is there's only two delver of secrets yeah for, and that that's what we're the affinity route that's what we were saying is that like honestly if they banned delver of secrets now would it actually even matter we've got seen so many good threats printed in the last couple of years that Delver of Secrets has not even seen the four, uh, the full four playset. What is going on? <laughs> is running the four Dragon Rage Channeler, and I think that is a huge tip of the hat to just how powerful that card is. Dragon Rage Ch- Channeler seeing the full four playset while Delver is not. Yeah, poor poor Delver's falling on some hard times. Yeah, honestly, just get fucked, Delver. <laughs> just get. <laughs> They are fun, interactive magic. Yeah, your time in the sun has passed. Get to the back of the line. <laughs> uh, anything else you wanted to mention about this list before we kind of move on? No, no, I, I think it's you know pretty straightforward. But six is six is definitely a list I hadn't seen before. So that's yeah. that's interesting. Uh, Cody Ballsizer with blue red painter, monkey painter. And, yeah, Ragavan. Painting all over the place. Yeah, for Ragavan. I'm I'm uh I'm dubbing this deck Curious George. I'm gonna call it Curious George. Done. <laughs> Just Great. Ra- Ragavan with the paintbrush <laughs> causing all sorts of havoc. <laughs> it's listed as two grindstone, retrofitter foundry, a pithing needle, a relic, four painter servants, four ragavan, four brainstorm, four pyroblast, four force will, hydroblast, four lightning bolts. Force of negation, four Urza of sagas, then the four Vulcan, uh, a couple, couple basics, some expressive iteration, and ponder to with some fetches to wind it out. Yeah, pretty pretty sweet list. Um, 
you know, kind of similar game plan to the mono red uh, painter deck we saw in second place. Uh, but this one adding blue, uh, it, it just, I feel lets Cody kind of assemble the combo a bit more, uh, you know, reliably, plus having the force of will back up, not as reliant on pyroblasts uh, to be, you know, the soul, the soul protection, uh, plus the ability to add expressive iteration. Expressive iteration is another card that we have seen put up a ton of work in the format lately. Yeah. I mean, this kind of, this deck has this cool function where you can, almost present the blue red Delver list that, that we just talked about in fifth and then really pivot to painter. You could just get someone, you know, you, out of nowhere, just play the Urza saga. Maybe they think it's like, Oh, okay. This is probably the rag ragavan standstill list. And then you play painter and saga goes and gets your grindstone in the debt. So you right. can, you can, it's got some good pivot in it for sure. For sure. It's almost like it, it feels like the first place list and the second place list had a baby. And that's the that's the fifth place list. Yeah, it'd be cool on them for for really taking a, an idea and you know trying to innovate with it. Right. Or I'm sorry, sixth place list. But yeah, that, that is that is pretty sweet. Um, how do you feel like let's take a kind of sidebar for a second? So far we have seen a ton of Urza Saga, a ton of Ragavan. Um, a ton of expressive iteration, a ton of prismatic ending. How do you feel MH2 hit the format? And do you think it was good for the format? I think overall the power level is high amongst the cards, mm-hmm. but it's even across all cards. Yes. Right? Like they're, they're all like an eight or like a, a seven, but they're all along that line. So there's nothing special there's nothing so broken that it's just the thing you have to be doing. There's just a lot of good stuff yep. and it fits into a lot of different things. And it's, yeah, I mean, we're probably going to get to the point where it starts homogenizing uh, mm-hmm. decks and, and maybe that, that's yeah. a concern. That's exact. Cause that's what I see when I see this blue red painter is I see the homogenization happening <laughs> where it's like, it's almost like you're homogenizing and then you just get this kind of like Frankenstein, which is kind of Cody's deck <laughs> is, is what it looks like to me. It's like, he's just taking, all right, this is the best thing here. And this is the best thing here. This is the best thing here. And I'm going to smush it all together into this list. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked. Yeah. And it worked and it worked. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You know, modern horizons one had a bunch of eights and then it also had a couple tens, you know, namely uh, Ren and six and that I feel like the tens are really what gets, uh, you know, the format into trouble. And yeah, I kind of, I agree with your assessment that we got a bunch of eights, which are fun and cool to play with and powerful, but I really don't think we have any tens and I'm defining a 10 as something that, you know, needs to be banned. I don't really see anything out of MH2 that needs to be banned. I just maybe see some things that I could see myself getting sick of playing against this after a while. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that to me has been kind of the general consensus from the, you know, the, the tournament I ran this past week. And then when I ran last month is we're really starting to see that. And I think we're going to really see it even more heading into the the next couple big paper events we got coming up. Yeah. Cause also um, the more, the more competitive the event, the more you start to see this, you know, you see, you see less people playing their pet decks. Cause like, if you go to an F and M, you're going to see all pet decks. People are just going to play the thing that they love to play and they love to play uh, with. And so you don't really see the cutthroat. And then as you start ramping up the prize pool and ramping up the competitiveness, that's when you start kind of getting into those super boring, you know, blue red Delver and eight of the, uh, the top eight slots. Yeah. It's, I mean, you look through the list and Rag Vanner's a saga shell is, is kind of half of this top eight. Yep. That you see, so I I don't think it's an issue now, but I think it's it's something people are going to have their eye on. Yeah, it is also deceptive though, because you're right; it is really very much the Ragavan Urza's Saga shell, but the variations on it are so different. You know, we see painter shells, we see blue red shells, we see mid range standstill shells where. They're all kind of working on the same 
uh, like power combo, but they're doing it in such different ways that at first glance, they look like completely different decks. And then when you get under the hood, you realize that they have a lot more similarities than differences. Yeah, oh, for sure. And I think it does open up, you know, spots in the meta for some decks to really take advantage of it. Like, you know, we see lands in seventh place and, and Randy Lentz, this, this player here, also top eight at the last event with lands and he lost in the finals. So, yeah. You know, there's there's definitely spots to punish these these decks playing these small creatures like Ragavan and Dragon Rage Channeler. And, you know, that, could we see Punishing Fire make a comeback? Uh, maybe. That, yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. So Randy Lintz's seventh place list um, running the Punishing Fire, which is you know something that we saw fell out of favor with Lance players for quite a while. Like it was, uh, you know, it wasn't unusual to see. Uh, punishing fire uh, get cut from lists left and right for I want to say probably like a year and a half I don't know it's time has no meaning since COVID it all blurred together but it has definitely been a while since punishing fire was was making the cut in the lands decks and basically ever since Ragavan got printed it came back with a with a passion yeah he kind of had a plan and, and was was able to execute it and just really feast uh, especially on these blue red Delver players and you know, you can maze of it, the big creatures, you know, the, the Merktide regents, whatever, and then just punishing fire cleans up everything else. And, you know, eventually uh, Meryl Lage comes in and just kills them. I mean, most of these blue red decks don't really have an answer. And that's where you see people dipping into white for for actual answers to, yep. to things. Uh, just run down the list uh, real quick. Randy's running two Elvish Reclaimer. Four Mox Diamond, three Punishing Fire, four Life in the Loam, four Crop Rotation, four Exploration, two Sylvan Library, three Valakut Exploration, one Tabernacle, one Misty, one Forest, one Blast Zone, one Glacial Chasm, four Grove of the Burn Willows, two Taiga, one Caracas, one Ghost Quarter, one Field of the Dead, four Wasteland, one Bajuka Bog, one Yamavaya Cradle of Growth. Uh, which that's a uh, an addition to lands as well. Uh, actually, I guess it's kind of a little old at this point, but you know, definitely a welcome addition to lands. Uh, they used to be running. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's like when it's in your graveyard, lands you control can tap for green and white. Oh, oh yeah, okay. They 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 were running that, and and Yamavaya has kind of taken that spot in the list. Two Mazevith, one nurturing peatland, four Thespian stage, three dark depths, one verdant catacomb three Rashad and port uh, fairly stock. I want to say nothing jumps out at me too much in this list. As far as kind of what we've been seeing out of lands, other than of course, you know, punishing fire, making a comeback uh, since uh, Ragavan was printed. Um, anything else you want to kind of mention about this list? No, no. I, the white decks are probably going to get this deck because they have the removal. Yep. Anything else is probably just going to get ran over. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, if you get your dark depths uh, swords to plowshares, your win conditions are looking like the two of <laughs> Elvish Reclaimer, uh, which is while a threat, uh, an easily answered threat, and then winning the hard way with Punishing Fire one point at a time, which does happen. But let me tell you, it is not anything you want to do. <laughs> no one wants to win the game with Punishing Fires. Randy's also got the, the one field of the dead. Oh, that's right. Well, I, so. I missed the field of the dead. That is a good yeah. thing. So a little bit better there. Um, but yeah, definitely leaning real heavy on that dark depths to close out the game, as is expected out of lands. Uh eighth place, man after my own heart. We got Omnitel, but not blue-red Omnitel, not mono blue Omnitel, good old. Mono green Omnitel with a ton of spice in this list. I love Chris Day's take on blue green Omnitel. We've kind of seen these interactions in the past, and it's awesome to see him kind of bringing them up and uh, showing them the light of day again. Man, this list is wild. Well, so I'm just going to run through it. So four tropical, four tropical islands, four Emrakul, one Grizzlebrand, four Ponder, Four show and tell, one snow covered island, one snow covered forest, two scalding tarn, 
one soul guide lantern, which immediately I'm like, huh, <laughs> what's going on there in Omnitel? Uh, for those who don't know, soul guide lantern is kind of a telltale sign that you're going to be running into some Urza saga down the line. Uh, four dress down, two omniscience, four misty rainforest, two wooded foothills, one sylvan library, four mosswort bridge, one pithing needle, four force of will, four brainstorm. Four Phyrexian Dreadnought, <laughs> three Urza Saga, four Elvish Reclaimer, one Wasteland. What is this list? This is crazy. Yeah, this this guy's this guy's innovating. He's <laughs> he's out there. I mean, the the dress down stifle or dreadnought, you kind of have to respect. Yeah. So he's got that. And, yeah, there's just there's just so many pivot points in, in this deck. And you know, you got plan A, you got plan B, and you, you got plan C. <laughs> he, he's got plan great. he's got plan Q. Like like he there's also like so much redundancy in this list too, where it like it flows into each other. So you have the Elvish Reclaimer, which can find the Urza Saga and can find the Mossword Bridge, and then the Urza Saga finds the Phyrexian Dreadnought, which combos with the Mossword Bridge. Like it's it's a lot of moving pieces, but they all kind of fit together, which is really sweet to see. Yeah, and the, the Moss War Bridge and, and Dreadnought. Ooh. Right. Um, so yeah, so people might be scratching their heads because they didn't hear any stifles in this list. Uh dress down, taking the spot of stifle to combo with Phyrexian Dreadnought, <laughs> but you're probably not winning with Phyrexian Dreadnought, not all that often. Really, what the Phyrexian Dreadnought is there for is to trigger the Mosswort Bridge. Mosswort Bridge is a land that when it comes into play, you look at the, what is it? Top four? Top Yeah, top, hideaway top four. Hideaway top four. So you look at the top four of your deck, uh, you grab Emmercool, because uh, you probably put it there with uh, Brainstorm. Emmercool gets hit hide, uh, hideaway with Mosswort Bridge, and then you play Phyrexian Dreadnought, Mosswort Bridge uh, has, what is it, over 10 power? When you have over 10 power? Yeah, 10 power. Yeah, so over 10 power in play, you can activate Mosswort Bridge to put the card that was hidden away with it into play, aka you're paying one mana for Phyrexian Dreadnought, and instead you're getting an Emmercool. And this was actually the OG combo with Emmercool when Emmercool was first printed. Uh, before Blue Red Seekin Show was really a thing, uh, Mosswort Bridge Emmercool was kind of the way people were getting Emmercools uh, into play. And that only lasted probably like six months or so before we kind of settled on the Blue Red Sneak, sneak Attack list. Uh, but for a, for a while there, Mosswort Bridge was a, was a sweet combo that you used to cheat Emmercool into play. And it's awesome that Chris is kind of bringing it back and that these new printings has really enabled it. Because I really don't think this deck would function without Urza Saga. Yeah, the, in the sideboard, he's also got some Endurance, some Carpet of Flowers, uh, you know, the Besaju, the Veil of Summer. So he can really force in his combo or or he's got the Graveyard Hate covered. And Endurance really eats the Dragon Rage Channelers and, and Delvers and just the Flash coming out of nowhere to, to eat them alive is it just keeps you alive long enough to to ram the fatty down their throat right also i got to point out he's running a tabernacle in the sideboard <laughs> just just putting that in there dealing with those creature decks yeah when you only need one giant fatty paying the one for tabernacle is not a problem right uh, I also just kind of want to point out it's interesting. The, it's an Omnitel list without a uh, a uh, sideboard, a uh, toolbox sideboard. You know, we don't see any cunning wishes or anything uh, for you know a, a combo kill. It's really going all in on cheating that uh, Emrakul into play between Show and Tell, Omniscience, and then also Mosswort Bridge. So super sweet list. I'm gonna have to give this a spin. Uh, rent it out and uh, and run it through some leagues because this looks like a ton of fun. I, I can't wait to watch the videos uh, that this that this list put up. Yeah, I don't know if we. I think we might have got them on camera in one round. I told the judge to go around and because I play in the events, so I don't look at anything prior. Yeah, and I don't know if we caught him on camera or not. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and watch, but I hope we did because this this is some spice right here, right?
Oh, can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, and then before we kind of close it out, I we have to give the honorable mention to the ninth place. Was it was it ninth on breakers? A uh no, a- it was it was a clean cut. I'll uh <laughs> yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna take that from Eric Virgo. He is the, <laughs> the ninth on breakers. Of course. We have one and only Robert Wilson, which I believe it's you. That would be you. It, it is in. me. It is in fact me. <laughs> coming in ninth place with blue, white, blue, white, red monkey blade. So uh, tell us kind of a little bit about your list. It looks yeah, really so. Similar. Yep. Go ahead. My my list. Uh, I stayed true and loyal to Delver of Secrets. So <laughs> uh, for Delver, for Ragavan, for Stoneforge, True Name, for Brainstorm, for Bolt, for Ponder, two Prismatic Ending, three Plows, four Days, a Jit, Force Negation, four Force of Wills, a Cauldron Complete, uh, some Fetches for the full set of Wastelands, three Tundra, three Volk, and then a Plateau to, to round out the main deck. You just want to give that Plateau some love. You know, Plateau doesn't see enough play, so you just got to give it some love. Yeah, I mean, there's... So my tech for for some of the control matchups was Cataclysm out of the board oh, and having know. four white sources. I wanted to have four white sources to be able to cast them. And then I was actually able to play under choke uh, at one point using the plateau. So nice. it, it had some, some uses. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the best thing I can say about this list is people were just not ready for Cauldre Complete and you can just run people over with it. I mean, I was able to to kill uh, an epic storm opponent who resolved Ave uh, progenitor ooze with the the creature and then five copies and culture was able to to kill them because right. they couldn't block the culture so they had to take it and i was just able to chump block some of the tokens and you know then removed their their kind of small ones and culture just cleaned them up mm-hmm but I also just say it's uh, terrifying having a culture complete holding a chite because I've had that happen to me, and it's just like just scoop them up at that point. The the first strike getting getting the tokens plus not even being able to block it, and it's just like it's it's inevitable at that point. Yeah, it, it's a real threat, and uh, I think um, unless you're playing white, there's there's really no way to get rid of it and deal with it, and people weren't ready for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is awesome. Uh, you had an oh, awesome- no, we got we got one more list. Oh, one more list you want to talk? All right, yeah, let's let's dive. What do you want to talk about? We'll go to uh, number sixteen. Uh, Suceris MTG himself, Michael Coyle, local Michael Coyle, playing artifact the artifact prison decks. Oh, you've okay. come to know and expect. I saw Callum tweet out <laughs> a uh, Lord of the Rings reference that that coil was playing again so uh if you haven't seen his artifact prison list see he took a break for a while this list was for mystic forge for mox opal for chalice for defense grid two basalt monolith four ancient tomb four manifold key three inventor's fair one paradox engine four car and the great creator four urza saga one ensnaring bridge four serum powder one expedition map four city of traders four Grim Monolith, four Lotus Battle, and four LEDs. He's just trying to lock you out, and then he's just going to kill you. Yep. Uh, also, he, with the Karn, he's running the liquid metal coating that he can grab with the Karn and just start blowing up lands. That gets uh, that gets pretty brutal pretty quick. Yeah, the, the Urza Sagas really give it a kind of a beat-down plan that, that these decks haven't had before. Yep. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, again, a Another example of Urza Saga just slotting right into decks and, and being a win condition. Yeah, I definitely think Urza Saga is the biggest, biggest, you know, addition to the format. We said it so many times on the cast, but it bears saying again, that card's good. And hey, it's a colorless land, which means it can go in literally anything. Anything can run Urza Saga and do just fine with it. Uh, you know, maybe Reanimator doesn't want it, but it could run it if it if it wanted to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so awesome to see uh, Michael back at it again, run some artifact prison lists and seeing some success. Uh, well, awesome. Anything else you kind of wanted to mention about the uh, the tournament or anything else going on with your LGSs or anything like that? Uh, 
Yeah, I would just encourage people to to follow us, and you know, we we actually do advertise our events now. <laughs> I know, and, right? Uh, you got you gotta let us know for the next one. We'll uh, we'll hype it up. Now that you're not uh, uh, running it out of your kitchen, you can uh, <laughs> get right. <laughs> get the get the full the full star treatment <laughs> i think the the biggest thing people come to play for is is getting their name on the trophy so if you haven't seen it in, uh, oh yeah that's right because you do like a stanley cup style trophy which is awesome right yeah so uh friend friend of the tournament friend of the cast brian cook was kind enough to design a logo for it so i took the logo put it on a a, a big trophy base and put plates trophy or name plates all the way around it and then put a giant gold chicken on top of it <laughs> and uh, i'll tweet the the picture out um on it and yeah we just put everyone's name on the trophy their deck and you know the month they won it it's it's really kind of a, a badge of pride to, to have your name on the giant gold chicken and my hope is that at some point we start to get like three or four bases on this thing. And it just becomes Hell this yeah. <laughs> unwielding Stanley cup esque thing. That's, that's really the ultimate goal of this whole thing. Right. Just yeah. the most absurd trophy ever. When I saw the trophy, I absolutely loved that. I thought, I thought that was uh, the hallmark of the event and, and really gives the, the event some awesome character, which, which I love. Um, I, I really hope to uh, make it to one myself one of these days. Like, Ohio's not too, too far away. Um, and also, if you're already in the Ohio area and play Legacy, you probably already know about the Buffalo Chicken Dip uh, events. But if not, if this is your first time hearing about it, definitely keep your ears out. You said you were thinking maybe October, November, you were thinking maybe. Doing yeah. That'll, that'll probably be when the next one is, you know, kind of uh, depending on the, the state of the world and <laughs> the right. pandemic and kind of what's going on. I mean, you can follow us at BCD legacy on Twitter. Um, you can follow me, Robert underscore H underscore Wilson as well on Twitter or uh, find us on Facebook uh, under Buffalo chicken dip legacy can't miss it hell yeah uh we'll also mention it on the on the cast when you uh kind of pick a date for the next one we'll get people hyped and uh you know i i really want to make it to one of these uh myself because it seems like a good group of people with uh you know an awesome tournament yeah my my plan is to make it out to uh an lal open smiley has promised me barbecue when, <laughs> when when i get out there we have some friends in in roslindale so i think we might take a couple weeks and just go work remote out of Boston. So that is actually, so I was really, I love the thing that you do with the food. That's what we were trying to do for the LAL open. Um, we had all this, all these food trucks planned for the next LAL open. They were going to come set up in the parking lot and there was going to be like three or four different uh, uh, foods to choose from. Um, and then of course COVID happened and we couldn't get food trucks for this event because, you know, COVID still is a concern and food trucks are not really willing to take the risk on an event that might not get as large a turnout. But that is definitely something we're looking for for future LAL events is uh, try and get I don't think we'll, we'll come close to the famous buffalo chicken dip food, but at least get you some more food options besides the standard, you know, pizza. <laughs> uh, maybe for this last one, having a couple crock pots of dip during a pandemic was a little, uh, little sketch <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh to, to people's credit they were uh, very hygienic wearing masks when when not eating so uh, people were were being as safe as as possible and that dip was was practically bubbling nothing nothing is surviving <laughs> <in that> <laughs> Between the heat and then the vinegar from the hot sauce, nothing, nothing's living through yeah, that. No. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Let's get into some scoops and poops. Uh, Robert, do you want to kick us off? Anyone you want to scoop in? Yeah, I want to scoop in. Oh, just take a quick second and mention all the people that have, have really helped me. Cause if you see them, you probably think I'm just like this one man show doing it all. But now I, I have some great people helping me. We have uh, Zach Toth who designed some great shirts. We're selling shirts. You want to, I'm going to shill here for a second. Yeah. Shill uh, out. Let's see it. Yeah. $20 for shirts. Come buy one for me. I will mail it to you. It'll be fantastic. It will uh, help me Hell get yeah. back some of the money I've spent on cameras and stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, then we, I also do promos. So I take, I had a stamp made from the logo, Brian, 
Brian made and stamp cards, you know, just, I play a lot of old school and that's just kind of one of the the cool traditions you do there. And so I'm trying to bring that to legacy and, and Chris, your boy, Chris day, he asked me to stamp all four of his wastelands that he won. Sick. That's yeah. awesome. That is, a, that is a cool tradition. I do appreciate, I, I'm, I appreciate you making the jump to legacy because that is a really cool community aspect of old school because not only is it, you know, you remembering those cards, but then those cards eventually get out into the wild. People trade them and, you know, what have you. And people see that card and they see that that stamp and they're like, oh, not only is this a wasteland, this is specifically the wasteland from the Buffalo Chicken Dip uh, tournament. And it just kind of really shows the history of the format and the history of the community that I love. Yeah, if, if I've told people if I ever win, I'm stamping whatever card it is. I don't care. <laughs> Underground yeah. C, LED, done, stamp, sign as, it up. As it should be. Cards are meant to be played. Yeah. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Michael Grafton for, for helping us out. Our boy Min from the, the Min Max blog um, on Twitter at Magical Rain, R-A-E-N, for, for designing a, a great overlay for us and uh, it was a very nice overlay that goes over the play mat that we have. Like, oh, Gavin, Gavin, if Gavin Verhees listens, you might want to might want to plug your ears. <laughs> but I somehow acquired a play mat from U.S. Nationals. Oh, like one of the old old so from like the two thousands. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it somehow I, I saw some bums sleeping on it and saved it. <laughs> From, from the trash heap. <laughs> That's where it was. I see. I we see. didn't steal it from Watsy. Watsy threw it out. The <laughs> bums are sleeping on it. I saved it. He saved it. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. You're That's just doing your community service. Story. Community yeah. service. That's all it was. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, uh, finally, you know, thanks to everyone that's supported us along the way, uh, especially Joe Dyer. He's done some great write-ups on us and has come to quite a few and and he's been a real big supporter of us and, and our community. And, you know, we appreciate all him and his team do for, you know, the data collection and all the work that goes into it. So support his Patreon. I'll show for, I'll show for Joe. Hell support yeah. His Patreon. Yeah. Joe is a, is a gem of the community. He does so much for the community. It's, it's awesome. So I have a uh, quick shout out. I just wanted to shout out uh, Grandmaster Games in Oak Park, Park, Illinois. Uh, Our friend Phil, friend of the cast, sent in. uh, They are firing off Legacy every Friday night in Oak Park, Illinois. So if you're in that area and you want to play some Legacy, head on down. Uh, Phil says they're a great group of people, and uh, I just love seeing more and more uh, Legacy FNMs coming about. Yeah, I uh, also I'll shout another story. I mean, in Columbus, we have Comic Town and, and the Warp Gate that are, are running legacy events. But uh, our boy Zach Allen in in the Detroit area is is running RIW Hobbies and has some great stuff planned that he was telling me about at our event. So if you're in Detroit, check out RIW Hobbies as well. Awesome, sick. Got to support those great LGSs because they are what makes this all possible. If you haven't been to your LGS in a while, guys, just go down there and buy a booster pack. I don't care what what's that. Just buy a booster pack and, and help the stores out. Uh, well, Robert, thanks so much for coming on, man. It was great having you on the cast. And uh, thanks for uh, carrying uh, Pat's Pat's weight. I should probably go let him down from those uh, those practice rings. You know, untie him. Well, I'm sure the kids have left him up there for a while. <laughs> I mean, we can we can just leave them up there, right? Yeah, we probably stay up there. Yeah, you want to just come on next week? We'll just we'll just yeah 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 yeah. Pat awesome. who? Pat Pat who? That is the new catchphrase. Pat who? <laughs> Thanks everyone, and we will see you all next week. Take care, y'all. Yo.